Okay. Well, firstly, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, we are, of course, behind schedule, which is um, not a surprise. Uh, looking at the program, it seems that we lawyers have cornered the market in moderating uh, this afternoon. So you're doing very well on that one, Nicholas. Um, I'm Tony Rice. I um, spent a lot of time here in the 90s working for uh, a previous firm, so I know Greece very well. I'm a ship finance lawyer, although these days ship finance lawyers are doing completely different things than we used to do in the 90s and 200, 2000s. Um, I cover all sorts of areas of finance in, uh, in the firm, but shipping is where I've always sort of had my sort of soul. Um, before I intro our four extremely experienced panelists, I think they have over more than a century of shipping experience between them, you're probably the junior one. I thought I'd just put in context very quickly the areas I hope they will address, and in particular what they will not address. So the topic we have is alternative finance for shipping. So that's alternative to what? Well, clearly to traditional, traditional bank finance, which we've just had covered by JSOR's panel. But also these days, it's, you know, it's not really alternative, you know, capital markets are no longer alternative like they were years ago. We have bonds, IPOs, follow-ons in New York. We have bonds in, in, in Norway. That's all straightforward financing these days. And also, it's not really our sort of job today to discuss big-ticket ECA financing. That's happening for LNG. It's happening for cruise. But I'm not sure this particular audience is so interested in these areas. And nor are we going to cover things like JOLCOs, Japanese operating leases, or indeed French tax leases. These things are all happening right now. We've just done one in Singapore, our JOLCO. We're doing a billion dollars of French tax leases right now to a container company in, in Paris. So they're all happening, but they are sort of special bespoke areas where you have a degree of sort of eligibility to get into them. And they're not really what I would describe as alternative sources of typical finance for your average ship owner. We've heard today a lot about Chinese leasing, so I don't think we need to touch upon that. Capital markets, we have um, several sessions this afternoon which will cover that in detail as well, so I don't think we need to touch upon that. And after this panel, we have one on new bank entrants. So all the uh, guys coming from Macquarie, CIT, Beal, M&M, etc. I think that'll be covered in the next panel. So that really leaves me to ask these four guys, you know, what are they going to be supplying in terms of alternative finance? Their bios are all in the book that you have here. I was going to run through them for you, but in the interest of time, I think Nicholas would prefer that I didn't. So I think what I'd like to do really is having explained what you're not going to talk about and what we won't address today, if perhaps you could each of us explain to the audience what alternative form of finance you are thinking about in terms of your own companies. And perhaps we could start at your end, George. Thank you. Thank you very much. So um, Yield Street is democratizing wealth management. People uh, put their money, all of us, uh, we have bank deposits and get almost zero for our money. 
We can buy bonds, get 2 or 3%, or you can put your money in the stock market, and good luck. So Yield Street provides uh, asset-backed opportunities to people to put some of their money into a product that will give them 9, 10, 11%, so that they have the opportunity to do what was only open to private equity in the past. We started in um, May of last year, and we've put out 140 million to date. Looks like the stage is coming down. So uh, 140 million to date. Our first um, funding uh, took about four weeks to sell. Our second funding was a uh, revolver to a cash buyer. And um, so what we do, we have a warehouse of 100 million. We fund the project. We underwrite it. We then package it. Uh, we have a tech platform. We offer it to accredited investors in the US. And they have the opportunity to put in 10 or $20,000 and buy a piece of that funding. So the $25 million uh, revolver that we broke into uh, two offerings. And um, I'm going to show you a video. Uh, on the left, you will see how much is left of the opportunity. And on the right, you're going to see the time lapse. And um, Dimitri, just uh, stick it on, if you will. Thanks. So it sold in 18 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, the second tranche sold in uh, 12 minutes. And our more recent um, offerings sell in uh, a few seconds. So that tells us that the public at large uh, have a desire and a need to be able to put their money into something that will earn them um, a, a better return. And um, so that's what we do. And um, I'm open to questions, and I would also be open to questions at the end from the uh, audience because I'm sure there's a ton. George, what kind of ticket size are we talking about? So we do nothing under 10 million, and um, to date we funded up to 30 million. And gearing, loan to value? So loan to value uh, around uh, 70, 75%. Um, and um, our, uh, the cost to the borrower is all in 12%. We offer our investors, as I said, nine and a half, 10. Uh, we, we try, our, our objective is to give people the opportunity to earn more on their money. So, um, hence the democratization of... Okay, so, you, so you're working in a very sort of specialized end of the market, really, because in terms of volumes, you can't compete, of course, with capital markets who last year put sort of 16 billion into the industry or Chinese leasing we heard this morning with many more billions. It's a, it's a very specialized niche area. It is, um, and if you call um, 600 million 
assets under management in three years niche? Um, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, we hope to, uh, by the end of this year, have the whole platform up to one and a half billion. Uh, and it's growing. Uh, we have an investor base of 100,000 100, investors, growing at 5,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So our objective is to scale uh, and not stay niche. And are there any parameters around vessel age or type? So because we asset backed and we like uh, to protect the principle for our investors, uh, we do something banks don't do and go for uh, older vessels, we like, like we do our scrap um, to cash buyers. We like to uh, invest in <coughs> vessels that are 15, 16, 17 years old and can be uh, employed uh, to the end of their lives uh, and amortize them down to below scrap so that uh, the objective is to get the money back. Um, we've done um, a few RVIs. We were the first platform to um, where the borrower negotiated an RVI, so we lent against that. Uh, and um, we find a situational uh, funding where um, an owner wants to buy his loan back or the ships back from a bank and can get, uh, and we can provide the bridge for that. We, our cash is pretty quick, uh, so that's attractive. And um, we find that short-term uh, lending is more attractive on the platform, so we have devised shorter-term products that appeal to some uh, situational uh, funding that people would like to do, that ship owners would like to do. So we don't compete with banks. We special situations. OK, funding. thank you. Mark, what's, um, what's your offering? Sure. So um, this is uh, under the banner of, um, <coughs> excuse me, Ascension Finance. This is our first sort of public outing or launch of the brand of Ascension Finance, which is a new lending company set up by the principles of RMK Maritime. RMK Maritime is uh, a company that was established in 2012 as a maritime financial advisory company with an office in New York and, and London. The New York office is an investment bank. Um, the London office concentrate on more commercial debt and leasing solutions. Um, over the years, uh, my, myself, my background is uh, in shipping banking for the last 30 years. Um, I left my last bank five years ago when that particular bank wound its portfolio down and chose to exit along with a lot of other banks and joined um, friends and colleagues at RMK with a view of looking at you know, this you know, huge gap in the market for small and medium-sized shipping companies that um, you know, the banks don't love anymore. You know, it's taken us some time to get the model right uh, through a number of iterations and also to find the right financial partners. It's not our balance sheet. We have funding partners with committed capital of $300 million. Um, we effectively set up in business in Q4 of last year. We're writing our first transactions right now. Um, and you know we're, we're looking to grow on all of that. And, and you know, Ascension Finance has been set up specifically as a, an affiliated but separate entity to the RMK brand, which looks at much more sort of complex um, financial solutions across, across the, uh, the capital spectrum. So it's just a new fund. 
it's, 300 million. It's a, it's a fund, new fund lending what? company with yeah. investor fund backing. Um, so actually, it's not, in my view, it's not alternative financing. Um, what we're looking to provide actually is fairly traditional financing terms, but the, the source of those funding is alternative to what it used to be from the traditional banks. And could I ask you what you'd expect to be pricing on that? Or? Uh, our objective is to have, a, um, once we've deployed all of our capital, and, and, and in terms of ticket sizes, similar to George, mm. 10 to $25 million approximately, so that we can build a portfolio with $300 million with a reasonable amount of diversification of assets and borrowers. Um, we're targeting an average margin on the whole portfolio of around 6.5%. So, I mean, so that, that's our aim. Realistically, you know, we are going to be in the 67% range and LTV is up to 65%. So, so like many of the sort of people here today um, and others in the market, the new banks coming along and new entrants, you're looking to capture that sort of ship owner who's not quite Champions League to whom all the banks are lending, but is top quality sort of premiership, top of the league but just can't get into the big banks for whatever reason. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, to give specific examples about what we're looking at, we are transacting with a, a small owner here in the dry bulk sector who's got two debt-free ships and he's looking to buy a third. Um, you know, he's banked with local banks, um, but you know, he's not really a core uh, client for them anymore. Suits us very well. That's at about, you know, 50, 55% LTV. And then... Um, the other end of the spectrum, for us anyway, we're talking to a significant um, Turkish owner who's had very good banking relationships with some of the, you know, the bigger banks that have pulled back, pulled back. He's no longer a core client. He's had a 10-year loan with that particular bank that comes up this year. He bought the ships as new buildings, fully performed. Uh, the balloon's coming up for refinance, and the bank says, well, you're no longer a core client. And, you know, he's not had the benefit of wider banking relationships. Like a lot of ship owners... He relied on his you know, long-standing relationship banks, and, and they're no longer there. So now he's finding himself having to sort of scurry around trying to find alternatives. Um, it's somebody that I knew in the past, so you know, we, we get on well, and you know, it's worked very well for us to offer him an alternative. He's not going to get the pricing that he's used to, but you know, the world's moved on. And is, is your company sort of agnostic to vessel types and geographies? It's asset finance, so we're looking specifically at the ships themselves. Um, further recourse to gar personal guarantees or corporate guarantees is a nice to have, but we're not reliant on that. So we're looking at the ships and the cash flow. And as a result of that, we're aiming at those mainstream asset types that where there is more liquidity and ability to you know, assess the, you know, the future values and also the historic values um, and also the cash flows. Okay, thanks. Okay, Sven, could you explain a bit about what, uh, what you're currently doing? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I want to start off by thanking all of you for stick, sticking around this uh, Friday afternoon. It's uh, really quite impressive. Um, Entras Pramal is a roughly $20 billion asset manager headquartered in New York. I joined the company, or the firm, uh, back at the end of 2015 to, uh, to build a new lending platform um, focused uh, on the maritime industries. And that's what we've been doing, quietly building uh, over these three plus years. Um, we are now raising our third fund. We have, uh, up to, to this point, we have uh, roughly uh, $800 million, $830 million of capital commitments, of which we have invested um, roughly $560 million, and we have another $200 million that we're documenting right now. So 
When we raise our third fund, which we're targeting for the end of Q2, we expect to get to somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5 billion dollars of total um, commitments to the uh, to the strategy. So what we're doing is really, <coughs> excuse me, uh, filling the um, the gap, um, like, like our other um, speakers are talking about, where the banks really aren't as active as they used to be. Uh, initially, we thought that we were basically only going to focus on, on these companies that don't really have a lot of alternatives, uh, alternative bank debt capital today, but uh, we've actually found that we're doing a lot of additional business with companies uh, that we've been banking with in the past. Uh, we are, have a team of, of ex-bankers um, within Entrust Pramal. This is all we're doing. And we found that the execution um, of what we're doing is, is actually gaining us a lot of business that we didn't expect. Um, we're very efficient. We're very predictable. Uh, we are expensive or more expensive than the banks for sure, but we try to compensate by being very, very good on execution. Um, we are also going further than the banks are. We obviously know that in order to earn high returns, we have to do more. So typically our deals are in the 60 to 80% loan to value range. And we also try to structure the, um, the amortization profiles and so on to, uh, to work in whatever market environment we're in. We are very kind of cyclical. We are focusing on the sectors that are closer to the bottom than the peak. Um, it's very good today because, as you know, most sectors are closer to the bottom. Uh, so we are uh, quite busy. So that's the um, background of, of uh, the Blue Ocean Fund. And you mentioned uh, what's the sort of lending capacity that you have within that fund. Is it significant if, if you had some large transactions come through? Yeah, so one thing is what we can do in the, in the, in the fund itself. We obviously have um, uh, certain parameters in terms of exposures and so on. We, we don't want to have half the fund to one company, but we, being part of a much larger asset manager, we have the ability to, to bring in co-investors. We, we're less likely to go out to other lenders, other funds or other banks to, to fill in the rest, but we do that in-house. We have uh, about 700 institutional investors within Antrust Pramal, so... We have done several transactions that are too large for the fund on its own, so we bring in uh, some of those co-investors, typically public pension plans, insurance companies, and so on. Um, so we, we don't really have a limit on the upside in terms of size we can do. We, uh, we tend to focus on transactions $15 million and above, and as I said, it can be $700 million um, if, if the deal makes sense. So without wishing to put you all on the spot too much with the same questions. Would, would your answers to pricing, gearing, loan-to-value, vessel sort of um, ages and loan tenors, that would all be the same, would it, as we've heard from, from Mark and George? Very similar stuff? Well, I mean, every, every deal is different. I mean, we, uh, we look at uh, what the fund returns, not on a per-deal basis. So we, um, you know, we don't only do senior secured lending. We also do some junior. We've done some preferred equity. So what we're looking for is what the total fund uh, throws off in terms of returns. And, uh, and so we have some deals that are returning very, very high in numbers, and, and others are you know, still decent, but not, obviously not as high as some of the other ones. So it really depends on the company, the type of uh, product, whether we're talking about senior secured or, or junior or preferred. Um, junior loans, preferred equity, we're targeting uh, sort of mid-teens, and the senior secured debt, obviously lower than that. So you're open to do mezzanine? Yes. We, okay. we, have, um, we have a very, very broad mandate. Um, should also mention that in addition to shipping, we also have a mandate to do offshore oil services. We, um, we haven't focused too much on that yet, but we have started to dip our toes in there, and we recently closed one transaction in the offshore oil services sector as well. Okay, thanks.
Please tell what Australians are doing. Thank you. So, uh, Australia's maritime is um, an asset management business uh, which is focusing on extending credit uh, on a primary basis. So, we don't buy loan books, uh, we extend cre uh, credit on a primary basis to the shipping and the offshore uh, industries. Uh, we do that both in a mortgage uh, uh, lending form, uh, but also in the form of sale and leasebacks. Um, and the way we think about our business, instead of uh, defining it in terms of the addressable market from an ownership perspective, we think about it more in terms of the types of projects uh, that we focus on. Uh, and, and what I mean by, by that is we focus on projects where there is a need for uh, flexibility from a structural uh, perspective. Most people would think about uh, high LTV. But that's not all. Uh, we've, done, we've done deals down to 50 or 55% LTV because of other structural uh, uh, elements that uh, banks would not be able to do. Uh, but we indeed go deep into the capital structure and can go up to uh, 80%. Uh, secondly, we, we financed uh, almost any asset class in shipping and offshore. Uh, including older vessels. Um, so we have a lot of uh, fle flexibility from an age perspective as well. And finally, a, a lot of the opportunities that cross our desk, which are very, very interesting, also have an element of ta time pressure. One of the things that uh, we can do because of, of, our, of our setup, uh, and I'm sure that a lot of the other uh, people on this panel can say as well, is that we can, we can move extremely quickly. And we have uh, underwritten a $200 million tra uh, tra transaction in three days, uh, which, which is something that cannot easily be done elsewhere. From, um, from, uh, from a setup uh, uh, perspective, we have committed capital. Uh, there's no financing out in any, in any of, our, of our documents. Uh, and we can also look at a variety of, uh, of uh, sizes. We do uh, single vessel financings, and, we, and we've done them, and we're very happy with them. And we can also do uh, quite large transactions over 100 million. <coughs> this is from New York or London? Uh, we, are, we are based in London. London. Okay. Yeah. So all your stuff's under English law? That's right. And you? Uh, actually, no. We no. can do, we can do uh, English law documents. You can do Norwegian law documents. You can do Singaporean law documents. You can do... Whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever's appropriate. Yeah. And, and ticket size, you say, seems to be... From open. five to over 100, yeah. Okay. Cool. Now, one question I wanted to ask to, to all of you is that, um, obviously, um, people in this audience, including myself, have seen many entrants come and go in shipping over the last 20 years or so. So, you know, what is, you know, owners themselves will not want to get into bed with a, a lender who changes their minds sort of halfway through the tenor of the loan in terms of shipping as an attractive industry. So what, what could you say about your sort of commitment to, to shipping industry? Perhaps we could start with you and go backwards. Sure. Resilience. Uh, all we do is shipping. Uh, we, we have been set up as an uh, asset management business, uh, which is focusing only on one, on one industry, and that is shipping and offshore. And that's what we'll continue to do. So it's not sort of a sort of closed fund type arrangement. So if you get certain numbers, you're going to stop, or as long as there's business, you'll do it. Well, first of all, our funds are quite long; uh, they can go up to ten years. Um, but um, you know, as long as there is demand for for capital, and um, I, I think the main risk to to our strategy is that 
regulations, particularly in Europe, who will start to reverse. Uh, we don't see that happening anytime soon, um, and the, the banks then pile back into the market um, the way they used to in the past. That ultimately is a risk to our strategy, but we, we don't think that is a major, uh, major risk. Um, we're in this for the long term. We, as I said, we're already raising our third fund, um, and we're going to continue to do this uh, as long as there is um, demand for the, for the capital. Okay. And, and you can move quickly as well in the way that Elias explains? Well, we, we end on writing in two days. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, we're very, very efficient, um, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, this is one of the reasons why we are getting a lot of, um, a lot of interesting business with, with former clients from the banking days, because we, we can turn around quickly, not just to get the underwriting done, but also to get all of the documentation and, and funding done. Sometimes, obviously, the lawyers uh, will slow things down, but um, we can certainly be very, very quick. That always happens. <laughs> Mark, I know you, you yourself have been long-time committed to industry for Belinda, Belinda Bank, LBS, Santander, Alliance and Leicester. I don't know what else to do. I've got so, nowhere else to go. So, um. so you personally, <laughs> I know, are, are focused entirely on, on shipping, but um, what, what do you think is the story with well, the, I mean, this, um, I mean, looking at things from a ship owner's perspective is, is important, and, and it's easy for, for, for us and any, any sort of um, new lender, whether it's a bank or a fund or whoever it might be, to come to ship owners and say, guys, you know, we're going to lend you some money. Isn't isn't this great? Um, but you know that due diligence and building a relationship. No, it's a two-way thing. You know, and one of the things that we've seen, you know, is, is, is ship owners specifically asking those questions and pushing us hard. You know, who are you? Who are your partners? You know, and where are you going to be in all of this next year? You know, and what if the market comes off? Are you going to take my ship away at the, at the drop of a hat? Yeah, and we have to work hard to um, explain our personal backgrounds, um, and we've all been around in, in our company in shipping for a long time, in shipping finance, and, 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 and really trade off of our long-term relationships and experiences in hopefully getting ship owners comfortable that you know, we mean what we say and that we are going to be around. And our financial backers are taking our advice on how to build the portfolio but then once we've built the portfolio, how to manage it and how to run it. And, and we've been very open with them that, you know, it's, we're not going to just write these loans and put loan agreements in the drawer. There may be times when we have to revisit things and covenants will get tired and there may need to be a need for repayment holidays. Yeah, and they get that. And um, so, I mean, one of the things we've found in terms of actually the timing to write deals, um, we can get there quickly, but, you know, the owner's got to do, you know, to do his work on, on us too. And that means not just doing it over the phone um, or on a conference call. It's, 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 um, it's being in front of the owner, seeing him, him coming to see us and, and, and building that relationship. And, and I think that's a critical part of it. If we don't have that relationship, then if it does get difficult, then it becomes you know, twice as difficult as it might otherwise be. Okay. And George, Yield Street's here to stay. It's a long-term investment for you and your partners. So, uh, yeah, we um, opened up an office in Athens. Uh, we hired uh, Stefanos Frangos from DVB. He's here, 16 years with DVB. Uh, we hired uh, Chris Gutsoyanis, ex-RBS. So we're setting up uh, a team to uh, interact with, uh, with ship owners. Fundamentally, uh, the ship owner has to make money. So when we go to a transaction, we like to understand where the money is. And if the ship owner can make money, uh, we, he can then service our debt and everybody can 
to be happy with the transaction. Um, we are short term, so if the shipping deal itself doesn't make money, sometimes there's a trade uh, that the ship's going to do. Uh, we try and find some help uh, from the trade, uh, because at the end of the day, we want to get out, and he wants to be left with the ship and own the ship debt-free. So we, we have the flexibility to, to structure uh, transactions uh, for the benefit of both. Uh, and um, we don't have to lay out money. Uh, we look for transactions that make sense for our investors and make sense for the ship owner. Uh, and then um, we go about making it work. Okay. Now, I think finding the money, the source of funds for probably all of you, has been the original major objective. Yours, of course, is... Yes, I'll start. Well, let me just, no, no, you've got that in hand. But I was going to ask you, having, having sort of got that major problem out of the way, principally, what are the main problems that you've encountered in getting these new startups going? Has it been regulatory? Has it been legal? What's been the issues that have sort of challenged you the most or will challenge you in getting deals done? So, yeah, Yield um, Street is a fintech company. And um, banks have the customers. But banks, the banking system is fundamentally broken. They don't give you anything for your money, and yet they talk of cost of capital. So what is cost of capital? Cost of capital is thousands of people sitting in offices in high street, uh, huge rent, um, executive bonuses, Armani suits. So that's one cost. Um, Yield Street has technology. And no, once you sign on, there is no uh, human intervention. The technology will pay your interest uh, to you, to your bank account. You'll get your tax forms. So there's a zero cost. The cost of acquiring a client is extremely low because we use social media so we can grow our platform. I think the question becomes, uh, will banks learn to use technology before FinTech learns to scale? And the race is on. So let's have fun. So you'll be hiding from the bankers when you leave the panel today, will you? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Uh, Elias, what kind of risks have you faced, problems, challenges in getting your platform going? Look, I think uh, the most important thing is to make sure that you can deliver what you say you can. And uh, the underwriting process is obviously the uh, beginning, uh, but then you need to be able to execute and to be able to execute fast. And that means going from term sheet to uh, uh, funding as quickly as possible. Uh, obviously what we've done is we've developed uh, uh, standard documents both for loans and for, and for leases. Uh, so a lot of the suspense is uh, taken out of that process. We've set up um, a whole uh, ca cash and account management system uh, so new assets can be uh, slotted into the portfolio very, very efficiently. 
Uh, and we, we've also uh, set, set up a very, very sophisticated monitoring system to uh, make sure that, that that works on an ongoing basis. Uh, and these, in many respects, and it's a very good question, and these, in many respects, are uh, significant hurdles. Uh, there have been many such platforms that have been launched over the last three, four, five years, and some of them have been tremendously successful, and some of them haven't. And the primary reasons that the latter have not succeeded is not because they didn't have the capital, but they couldn't execute. Uh, and, the, and this, and this is, is probably a priority number one for everybody here. <clears throat> yeah, I agree, because credibility is key. And if you can't execute, you lose credibility, and people won't want to, to work. Sam, what would you say about that? Yeah, so obviously, um, fundraising, as a lot of you know, is not, uh, is not easy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not been uh, a grind to um, especially raise the first fund. It took, uh, took us 18 months um, to get the first fund going. And, and I was obviously helped by being part of a large asset management firm with their own salespeople and so on, uh, but still it's, it's challenging, um, and especially when you don't have a, a real track record. Even though I've been in banking for 30 years, it doesn't really count when you're talking about track, rec uh, track record with, uh, with the investors. You have to show track record in the fund setting. So we're now well into our third year, um, and when we now go back out on the road, it's a, it's a huge difference from, uh, from the first time. So. Um, the, the important thing for us, though, in setting this up is the discretion that we have in terms of how we do the business. We have a very broad investor base. Uh, we don't answer to anything, anyone but ourselves. Uh, obviously, we do have an investment committee, um, but we, um, we have a very, very simple decision process. I chair that committee, which, uh, which obviously helps. Um, and, uh, but the most important thing is that uh, when you talk to, um, talk to us, the fund, you really just deal with the team because we make all the decisions. If there are any issues, any, any amendments, covenant issues, you only deal with us. We, we don't have to go to any kind of board or anything like that for, for approvals to make changes. Um, same thing with the underwriting process. If we say we're going to do something, we, we do deliver. So this discretionary, this discretion and the way it's set up uh, is, is absolutely key. Um, yes, that's really it. Okay, thanks. And last but not least, Mark. All of those. Um, Same. I mean, the, the initial challenge for us in the last three or four years has been uh, securing the funding. And you know, we've been close. We've been left at the altar a few times by guys that said they loved it. And, that, you know, and then you know, within a matter of months, or in one, one particular case, nearly a year, they just turned around at the end and said, yeah, you know what, we're, we're going to do something else. And, um, and, and that was the end of that. Having got to the point um, of secured the funding, it's then you know, how are we going to deploy that? And, you know, and it goes back to that point about reputation. Um, you know, we could have chosen to do it with the RMK brand because that's got a, you know, relative, it's got a good reputation and it's relatively well known. Ascension is new, but we chose to make that distinction. And so we, you know, we've got to you know, sell that company um, and build its reputation. And, and that's a challenge for us. The infrastructure and the support is critical, and you know we've all worked in banks and come from that environment where that's the luxury of you know, a middle office that, that does all that stuff for you. You don't have to think about it. But we're creating that from, from scratch, and yeah, I mean, and if and if you get that wrong, and even if the loan's performing, then 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 it's a mess. So every step of the process in starting something like this is a challenge, um, and and then last, the, one of the biggest challenges can be not to rush in and finance every deal that comes through the door or with the first person that you meet. 
and you know you, you want to get that money deployed because you've got pressure from your funding partners but you want to get that money back as well so it, it you know we, we like i'm sure my, my peers here will be turning down a lot of business that you think well you know should we do that yeah just about it just about fits but you know you have to be very disciplined and that's one of the biggest challenges in the early days of something like this is having that discipline um, because if you don't have that, then, then you're out of the game very quickly. Okay. Well, having indulged you all in such appalling self-promotion, I would have liked the audience to hit you with a really difficult questions, but we're out of time, I think, Nicholas, and I'm not being permitted, so I'm sure there'd have been some nice, uh, less nice questions from, from our audience. Otherwise, there is a question. Are we allowed questions? Are we allowed questions or not? We're not allowed questions, so you're off the hook, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much to the panellists. Thanks, Danny.